Matt Stepp, depending on how long you've been self-isolating, social distancing, whatever, you have been away from people for, uh, you know, three weeks or so. Would you rather be around people? Only if it involves football. Step your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And and really, as an insider, you're ahead of the curve. And I'm not just saying that because we like you and because you're you're paying paying us money. The reason I say that is starting about now-ish is when we're about to get a nice jolt of new subscribers. Yes. Because it's it's magazine sism. Uh, I think people are starting to look around. They're starting to realize, oh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a football season coming up here in the fall. Hopefully, well, we hope so. And yeah. And, and then, look, we're going to – I'm going to need my Dave Campbells. And so that, I think, has been the biggest the biggest um, selling point at this point is like, hey, we don't know if you're going to be able to run into HEB or if you're going to be able to run into Walmart to get your copy. So why not just get it mailed to you? To save yourself the trip. But, but now you guys already know that. You yes. you fine listeners already know that you're the you're the geniuses who are ahead of the curve, and we appreciate you being trendsetters. Uh, this is, I guess, your uh, your your first April edition of Tep and Step. We'll see how many we end up doing in this uh, in this uh, month. Uh, but we're out of March. March was awful. Yeah, uh, can we just oops. scratch March from the record, please? That was a trash month. Yeah, it was really that bad. Was- that was, that was quite bad. <laughs> I don't necessarily oh. have the highest hopes for April, but that bar is really low, April. Yeah, that yeah, really low. yeah. It's yeah, maybe you know. <laughs> let's just get you know, let's just get through April too, and hopefully start to see some light at the end of the tunnel here. So right, uh, that's exactly. This right. is your official uh, "Stay Your Ass at Home" quarantine uh, podcast. That's what I'm. That's saying what right this now. is. Yeah, that's what this is. And I guess I don't know. Maybe maybe you've been hearing from people that you need to stay home, and maybe you you don't believe it. Maybe you're like, ah, it's overblown. Ah, what is me staying at home going to do? Maybe you need to hear it from your two favorite Texas high school football nerds. Exactly. And so, and so maybe here's what we'll do. I'll just say it to you right now. Stay your ass at home. Yes. Thank you. Just do it. Th- thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. The, somebody put it really well. It was like one of those one of those health people health people how generic and demeaning (laughs) (laughs) those health people those people that does medicine i guess somebody put it to me this way or not to me but to the television they said the harder and faster we slam the door the 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 shorter it has to stay shut which it's like Again, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to downplay. Obviously, that there this is a, a, a tragic situation, and there's a lot of people who are going to be affected this in, by this in really, really terrible ways. But if for some reason that doesn't resonate with you, let me just say this: if you don't stay at home, we might not have football. Like, just makes me sad me, thinking about. But yeah, whatever yeah. message works to get you to stay home is what we'll do. I am not, it's okay if you're like, I don't like old people anyway. Fine. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is getting you to stay your ass at home. And if that takes me saying, Hey, there might not be football. If you don't stay your ass at home, then, then I'll say it. (laughs) Thank you for your courage. It's, I know, I know it took a lot for you to do that, but I, I, on behalf of football fandom in Texas, appreciate you Tepper. 
This is your April quarantine edition of Tap and Step, your April stay your ass at home edition. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff, including some some seismic shifts in the coaching world. Uh, we're going to give you uh, Step is Step has been writing a ton of preview capsules, and so I'm going to ask him. Uh, and we have not talked about this. Uh, what he's seen that has been particularly interesting in in perhaps some of those uh, those previews, uh, and then uh, at the very uh, you know at the very back half of the show. Uh, we are going to uh, discuss maybe a little teaser on uh, on something we got coming. We're going to talk about our favorite stadiums. Talk yeah. about our favorite stadiums in Texas high school football, uh, which is uh, we have a we have a, a list that that overlaps. I know because we both have a, a great appreciation for quality, but but I think I've got a couple that you don't have on yours, and I think you've got a couple that I don't have on mine. So we'll we'll talk that through coming up here in the back half of the program. But we will start as we always do, Matthew. With your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Matt Stapp, I think you might know this, but I had to be reminded of it today. And so you have to be reminded of it. Matt Stapp. All right. All right. What UIL Texas high school football coach coached the most seasons at one school? As a head coach, what UIL Texas high school football coach spent the most seasons as a head coach at one school. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good one. I don't know the answer to this um, off the top Ooh. of my head. I, I don't know. Um, so I'll give you some guys who are in the top the top handful, okay? So at the, the, the leader, by the way, was at his school for 43 years, head coach for 43 years. Um, 36 years includes uh, Phil Danaher, our friend. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Barbet at Newton. Uh, Joe Hedrick spent 36 years at Franklin. The, the legendary Alan Sepkowitz spent 36 years at El Paso Andrus. Uh, Clayton Butch Wolves uh, spent uh, 36 years at Dehennis. Uh, and then. Stadium is named after him, by the way. It's Butch Wolves Stadium. Yeah, exactly Speaking right. Stadiums. Second place on this list is Eddie Peach. Eddie Peach spent 40 years at Arlington Lamar. But who is the guy who spent the longest UIL coach who spent the longest at one school as a head coach? Gosh, it, I got to tell you, that sigh is all I ever go for. That's yeah, all I'm ever I'm, aiming for is that that sigh that I know I have stumped the computer. Yeah, you got me on this one. I, I, I can't. I can't. It's got to be somebody who's won a crap ton of games because they wouldn't um, have stayed for forty three years. They had to won. They mm-hmm. had to won some. He is a member of the three hundred win club. Yeah, that's. Do you need, uh, a, you need a, a small hint? Uh, give me a small hint because I'm I'm stumped at this one. Central Texas. Central Texas. Um, is it? Think, uh, 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 does, it's not Bob. Mc, is it Bob McQueen? No, it is not Bob McQueen. Although, and here's a very another big hint. Uh, Bob McQueen um, did not. No, he spent 28 years at Temple. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll give you. I'll, I'll tell you. You're warm. In fact, you might say that with that name, you're halfway there. Oh, it's Bob Shelton at Buda Hayes. It is. Bob okay. Shelton at Buda Hayes spent 43 years at the helm of the Rebels. When you said uh, Central Texas, it was either McQueen or, or Shelton that kind of yeah. narrowed it down for me. So, yeah. And, yep. uh, and, he is, is, uh, and you know what? I guess if you stay to school long enough, you get the stadium named after you because Bob Shelton Stadium in, uh, in Buda. Yep. Yep. That's why, because uh, I'm pretty sure it's Dana Herfield. In fact, going through that list yeah, Dana that we Herfield. were talking about, guys, Eddie H. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure Eddie Peach. They've got um, the, the field. Maybe is named after him at one of those stadiums. I think th- so. Lamar plays at Cravens Field, uh, not named for Mike Craven. Uh, but <laughs> I think Coach Peach's name might be on the indoor facility there. I think. Yeah, that sounds oh. right. And then Danaher, I know, has got his got the field named after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you've got to presume that Joe Hedrick's going to have his name on the Franklin. Um, the Franklin Stadium sooner as opposed to later. He just, you know, since he just retired recently. Um, and then, yeah. So, anyway, there it is. There's your Texas High School football fun fact of the week. Bob Shelton, uh, the most years of a head coach at one school. All right. Let's 
get into some coaching changes. And and I guess we should probably start with the big one, the one that came down, I guess, Monday morning, was it? Yeah, 9 a.m. Monday morning, yeah. 9 a.m. Monday morning. It was a quite long quite large, uh, came down. And I, I, I credited you, like I, I tried credited you, Callie Kaplan at the Dallas Morning News, and Reese Waddell at the Denton Record Chronicle uh, for, the, for, the breaking, for the breaking news. But it is that Denton Geyer's made a hire, and it's the guy that we've kind of been hinting at for a long time. A couple is, weeks now, uh, yeah. Yeah, Rockwall head coach, uh, Rodney Webb, the president of the THSCA, mind you, is yes. moving from from Rockwall to Denton Dyer. Uh, and I guess uh, I know that there are there's going to be a notion of people saying, well, why would you leave such a good situation there at, at Rockwall? But but you explained it to me and, and the way you explained it to me made a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, you would say. In a lot of ways, Rockwall is a better job than Geyer on, on the surface. When you look at facilities, uh, the setup, um, the pay is probably very competitive, if not better at Rockwall. Um, and th- those, ty- you know, it's a smaller district. You're not, it's not a one horse town, but it, it's close with just two high schools. And you've got a, a lot of autonomy on, on the campus level. Um, but, I, you know, when you look at jobs, I think a lot of you have to factor in where a guy is at in his career. And for Rodney Webb, he's accomplished quite a bit as a head coach. Um, he's been to the semifinals twice. He's been to the regional finals, I think, three times as a head coach at Royce City, Horn, and Rockwall. Um, he's two semifinal appearances. He's done a lot uh, in his time as a head coach, but he, he doesn't have a state title rank. And I think that's – if you look at what Coach Webb has done in his career, I think that's the one big – big piece that's missing fr- from his resume is getting a chance to, to go for a state title. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if you're going to win a state title at Rockwall. Not right now, not the way it's constructed and not being in, in division and being in division one uh, at the six, a level. Um, it's, it's a tough road to hoe in six, a division one. And I think in, in a lot of ways, Rockwall's shot was this past year, and that was kind of their that once-in-a-generation type group of seniors uh, that they had. And I think – I don't know what else Coach Webb can do at Rockwall. I think he may have accomplished um, everything that he possibly can there. And, and you look at what Geyer has right now and, and kind of their setup and what they have coming back and being a Division II school – you got to think that Geyer's got a great shot uh, to get a ring next year because Coach Webb walks into a situation where they've got uh, seven defensive starters returning. They've got uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the state. They've got a solid offensive line. They've got some holes to fill the skill positions, but that's, a, that's usually not an issue at Geyer. So you look at Geyer on the surface, and I think being, being in Division Two, especially – they can win it all next year. And so I think Coach Webb's wanting to kind of go for that ring and be in a place where he, he can legitimately get a state title ring. It, that's going to be – I'll tell you, this is going to be one of those ones that I know I make that mistake like four or five times during the season about like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Den Geyer under Coach John Walsh or Rockwall under, under Rodney Webb. Like those guys have been there seemingly forever, both of them. And now yeah. it's just going to be odd – um, whenever, you know, you know Rodney Webb was only at Rockwall for seven years. It does not. It seems like he'd been there for fifteen years, but he was there. He was only there seven years. But it's it just he was such a staple in that program. It just seemed like he was there a lot longer. I, well, I saw that and I was really surprised. I was like, wow, he's only there seven years. Yeah, I, I think that A, he was successful, and B, because he does have that gregarious, um, that that kind of gregarious, you know, personality. Uh, he's he's you know, you hear a lot from him in, in the media and things like that. I think that he's been such a mainstay. I think in our minds mm-hmm. that um, that yeah, it's, it's easy to see uh, that. So his that cookie, is one his of cookie the, opinions are still trash, by the way. His, oh no, his cookie opinions remain the worst, but. If the worst thing about you is that you have very bad cookie opinions, that's, you know, that's okay. Yeah, I agree. That's okay. Okay, so uh, let's move on to a couple of other uh, changes, I think, since we we last um, spoke. Um, let's see which ones in particular, I guess. Well, I did. Did we talk Plano last time? I guess we did. We did. No, no, we did. We talked, uh, we talked about, well, we, we mentioned the, um, 
the search. But I don't know if we talked about Todd Forth. I can't. It's been it's been a long two weeks. Yeah, oh, man, dude, time, dude, time has no meaning. <laughs> yeah, it does. What day is today? I don't even know. I think, I think today, I think today's, it's well, today's April first. Thank uh, God. Um, so it's been. I guess we recorded this. The last time we recorded was probably it was two weeks ago. So anything since the eighteenth. Uh, yeah, they they hired they hired um, Todd Ford. I've I've said my piece about that. I thought that that was an interesting hire by them. Um, they are, um, you know, he was he was pretty successful at, at both Round Rock Cedar Ridge and Lovejoy, uh, and and you feel like he's stepping into. Uh, I guess the big question is going to be: Is he stepping into the situation with eyes wide open, knowing what is what what is going not only what's going to be expected of him, but also uh, what the what the situation is like? What the, 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 the as we've mentioned, this is a unique job. And, um, and and it comes with a lot of benefits and it comes with a lot of challenges. And, yeah, I, and, and, and I think I, that that's – when you go back to the Cody Moore, Cody Moore thing at, at, at Denton Braswell, that was kind of, a, that was kind of a, a situation that I think he went in there and he realized, man, I don't know if I can handle this type of situation. Yeah, I, I think – you know, obviously he's he's familiar with the set of that Plano. He's he was at Lovejoy. He's he when he was an offensive coordinator at North Texas under Todd Dodge. He probably recruited around that area. I mean, he, he knows he, he knows what he's getting into. And, and I think considering the circumstances of Plano, in essence, getting left at the altar uh, by Cody Moore previously, and considering the circumstances, this is probably about as good of a hire as Plano could have made. Um, mm-hmm. I think Todd Ford it, it has been in, in situations, uh, you know, sp- specifically at South Lake Carroll as a coordinator where expectations are high. There's a tradition rich program. Uh, it's 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 a program where you have, um, you know, similar, you know, the demographics aren't, aren't the same at Plano and South Lake Carroll. But the, but the uh, expectations of the program um, are, are similar in a lot of ways. Now, whether or not they're out of whack at Plano is another discussion, but, but uh, there's some similarities in the two programs that I think he can take uh, to the Plano, to the Plano job. And he's got, he's got quote unquote street cred. I mean, he's won a lot of games. He's been a part of state title teams at South Lake Carroll. He's been, He's coached in Division One college football. He started the program at Round Rock Cedar Ridge and built them from nothing into a, a consistent winner in the Austin area. Um, so uh, his Lovejoy tenure was solid. It didn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't bad either. It was just kind of, you know, they would kind of chug along with seven and four type seasons, uh, six and six, something one year. You know, so they weren't bad, but they, they kind of maintained status quo there. But I, I think you can sell. He can sell. He, he sold. He, he sold himself to the Plano ISD administration as being a guy who who has the ability to build. And Plano was Plano. Let's make no mistake about it. They weren't terrible last year. They weren't. You know, no. Plano East was one and nine last year. Plano was five and five. So they're not that far off from getting back into the playoffs. But you know, just getting into the playoffs may be okay the first couple of years. But I think after two or three years, I think folks in Plano are going to want to start seeing their, them playing on Thanksgiving weekend uh, and beyond again. And so that's the question. Can he take Plano? I think he can get Plano into the playoffs. I, I think that's a, that's a reasonable expectation in year one, year two. I think that the, the tale of his tenure is going to be told year three and beyond. Can he take Plano and take him to that second and third step, which is playing deeper into the playoffs, which they have not done uh, since Rex Burkhead was run, running the football for them. Ah, the great Rex Burkhead. Um, oh, Copper's Cove. I got like 600 tweets, DMs about the Copper's Cove job. Um, they end up promoting from within with uh, with assistant coach, assistant head coach Jason Hammett, who is kind of I guess second in line there uh, behind Jack Alvarez. Jack Alvarez, of course, left to go uh, take over at Claro. Um, do you know anything about this search? Were, were that what was it always trending to be an internal hire? It, it seems to be that way. I know they interviewed, they did interview external candidates, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking to a couple of external candidates who interviewed, when they interviewed, they got the impression that it was an inside hire, and they, they kind of felt like their time got wasted, for lack of a better term. Um, so, um, and I don't really like it when school districts do that. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna hire internally, and you 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 have a strong inkling you're gonna hire internally, 
it just makes no sense to me to go through the rigmarole uh, of, of the sh- a sham interview process just so you can look good in the community and act like we, well, we, we interviewed, we, we, we did our due diligence and we decided to hire internally. When you see an internal hire, nine times out of 10, they knew they were going to hire internally from the, from the jump. And it just bothers me that districts waste time and, and, and resources with basically a sham interview process. Um, so, um, just talking about, I don't have any direct, you know, I, I, I didn't sit in on the interviews. I didn't talk, I haven't talked to anyone at, around Copper's Cove to, to know if they, if it really was that way, but just talking to guys who interviewed, that's definitely the vibe that they got. Um, so um, now for, for coach Hammond, I think, you know, it, it's, he's, I think the people on Copper's Cove were very happy <clears throat> generally with, with how coach Alvarez ran the program and they felt like things were in the right direction. So you could tell that's the, with with higher with a high internal hire, they want to keep that momentum going. But you know, this isn't the same Copper's Cove job that it was in the early two thousands when Robert Griffin and Charles Tillman and and people like that were playing for Copper's Cove. They're not they're not an elite program right now. This is a team that that is probably going to be doing good just to get into the playoffs next year. And unfortunately, with the district they're in, and then the first round draw that they have matched up with the Duncanville Cedar Hill DeSoto district, it's going to be a tough tough road to hoe the next couple of years. But I, I think um, if you can see some incremental steps forward, uh, hopefully for Copper's Cove fans, they can kind of begin to trend back in the right direction when they were an elite program. Um, a couple of other ones I want to, I want to bring up. Um, I think that that are, are, are pretty interesting one. And this came down just recently, but Schulenberg's made a hire. We're going real small school, but Schulenberg, uh, Brandon Brown resigned after six years. Uh, and the, the Shorthorns have gone to uh, Granger head coach, Walter Brock, uh, to be their new head guy there. Um, that was one that I, I didn't necessarily see coming, but a, a good get for them. Yeah. Um, you know, Walter Brock it, for, you know, the last two years at Granger, they've gone 20 mm-hmm. and six, um, yeah. third round of the playoffs and back to back years. I thought he did a really nice job at Granger, kind of an under the radar, small school, you know, cause Granger's kind of not far from Austin. So they kind of get lost in, in, you know, they don't get any coverage in the Austin area. You know, it's just, they kind of, there's kind of this little two a school. that's just outside Austin. They don't get much, much media coverage and, and very quietly they, they did a nice job. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a good hire for Schulenberg. Um, I know you talked to coach Freitag uh, on Texas mm-hmm. football today, which you should watch every day at noon. But if you're listening to this, you. you probably already do. Um, uh, Schulenberg's district is brutal, but I, th- I thought it was a, a very, very savvy under the radar hire because coach Brock did a heck of a job at Granger. Yeah, that, that was one that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, uh, that that you know he he did. Granger has been, as you mentioned, a a, a low key excellent team uh, the past couple of years. Um, okay, and then two two that are going to kind of fall in the same category, uh, which are, uh, huh? What are you doing here? The first is going to be uh, a team that made a state championship game this past year. I'm talking about Paul Pewitt, Tristan Abram. Uh, left to go take over at Mejia. Of course, he did an unbelievable job at, at, at Paul Puick getting them to a state championship game, uh, you know, 22 and 5 in, in two seasons there, uh, now moving over to Mejia. They have brought in an out of state candidate. They have brought in, um, uh, they have brought in Nashville, Arkansas defensive coordinator Richard Strickland. Uh, to be their, their guy. Now, he is not, it's worth mentioning, he is not new to the state of Texas, but he hasn't been in Texas for a couple of years. Yeah, so Coach Strickland, prior to going to Nashville, Arkansas, was the head coach at Overton, which is a small 2A just outside of Tyler. Um, but before that, you know, Strickland had a lengthy tenure at, on the as a defensive assistant at uh, Henderson. Um, was part of a state title team back in 2010, I believe Henderson won the state title. Um, that sounds right. Uh, he was an assistant there, and he was also an assistant on the very first uh, Carthage state title team in 07 when Dwight Smith was running rampant over the Salina Bobcats in the final high school game ever at Texas Stadium. Uh, Coach Strickland was was there at Carthage. So this is a guy who's been a part of you know, Carthage at Henderson, was a head coach for two years at Overton, um, had a good very – first year was very good. I think they went eight and three his first year there. They struggled his second year, and he, he got out and has been – the team in uh, Nashville, Arkansas, their, their mascot's the Scrappers, by the way, the Nashville nice. Scrappers. I believe the last two years they've been to the quarterfinals. Arkansas doesn't have regions like we do, so they just call it state quarterfinals. Um, 
uh, I believe we've been, been in the state quarterfinals the last two years. Um, and I believe in Arkansas, I think in 5A in Arkansas, which I think Arkansas has a 6 and a 7A too. I believe they're a 5A program. Um, so uh, he's got good skins on the wall. I, you know, he's a defensive guy, so I don't think he's going to change the offense very much at all at Pewitt. Um, you know, the quote to me was, uh, if you run the spread at Pewitt, you're going to lose. Coach Strickland didn't say that, but I've heard that from other people. So in talking to Coach Strickland, uh, he ha- has indicated that they are going to probably not change much offensively. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be more kind of more the same with Pewitt. Um, he may I mean, obviously him being a defensive guy, he's probably got his own ideas on how to run a defense. But um, I think it's a good hire. Um, Strickland's got some good skins on the wall, and I, and I think he's uh, in position to keep the momentum uh, that Coach Abram had going at Pewitt and keep that going um, into his tenure at Pewitt. So there's that. Um, and then we're going to wrap up this little segment with uh, another one, and, and that is the, the hire that has been made by the mighty Badgers of Bishop. Um, uh, you may not have been thinking about uh, the Bishop Badgers recently, and that's that's okay. I saw, a game um, Bishop. I saw a game in Bishop this year. I was I went to Bishop this year. Did you really? Yeah, Taft. Remember Taft and Bishop on that Saturday night? Oh my night? gosh, that's right. And it was that's a great right. game. It was a fantastic football game. It was great. It was one of those 40, 41-40, That's right. It was one of those games that I went to where, where the week before you were like, "What the hell are you doing, Step?" And then I go to the game and you're like, "Gosh, Dan, you're you you picked a great game to go to. You picked a banger." So um, Bishop has uh, Bishop hasn't been very good for the past couple of years. They went one in ten this past year. They have not had a the twenty seventeen was the last winning winning season. Um, as Joe Rios uh, has left after five years there, uh, went eight and three in 2017. They have made a hire, and they have made they have hired uh, Louis Rodriguez, and Louis Rodriguez is coming to them from Bishop Gorman. And I'm not talking about um, the, the Tyler. private school, the Tyler <laughs> yeah. private school. I'm talking about the Las Vegas one. Um, he is going. He's moving from Las Vegas to Bishop. To take over this job, uh, there. Um, I, do, do you want to explain this to me? Well, you know, I, I've not had a chance to talk to Coach Rodriguez yet. I'm still efforting contact information for Coach Rodriguez. So, hey, Coach Rodriguez, if you're listening to Tep and Step, yeah, shoot me a note. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, talking to some folks and reading the Kingsville newspaper, Coach Rodriguez ha- does have ties to Texas. I believe he is a native of the Houston area. I believe he has an extended family in, in, in Kingsville. And in my understanding, his very first coaching job out of college was as, as an assistant. And in, in, I don't know if it was at Katy High School or at one of the junior high feeders in the Katy High School. Uh, I believe his parents okay. still live in Houston. So there are ties to, to, to Texas and, and that part of the state. Um, Kingsville is not close to Houston, but, it, you know, he's got some family in Kingsville. Uh, for those who don't know, Bishop, Bishop is just north. It's basically between Kingsville and Corpus Christi, uh, mm-hmm. right there on Highway 77. So there are some ties um, to, to Texas, but um, you know this is going to be a total rebuild. And 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 Bishop Gorman, you know, they have the facilities and the money uh, of a of a any 6A program in Texas, really. Um, and you look at you know their you know, they can basically recruit nationwide. So the type of talent they get is, is going to be, it's, it's, it's just a completely different world at Bishop where they, they don't have really great facilities. It's a three, a school. Their facilities aren't going to be, you know, eye popping or anything like that. So all that's going to be different. And you add in the additional challenge. He's trying to move his family from Las Vegas to Bishop during this whole coronavirus episode going on. He's not going to get a chance to meet the kids. Everything he's going to have to, I mean, there's a lot of challenges there um, for him that, that he would have had no matter what. And then you add in with what's what's going on with the pandemic uh, across the world. Um, and it just adds to it. It's a, it's a unique hire. I'm, I'm anxious to hear from him and get, get some contact info yeah. from him. I think he'd be a great guest for a, as I do producing for you on the fly, uh, he'd be a great, great guest for TF today. Cause I, I'd be interested to hear from him. Um, just, you know, what, you know, what, you know, a little bit, a little bit deep, more detail, what, what his thought process was. In the, move. The, the first thing that I thought whenever I, I started reading about this was this strikes me, this kind of reminds me of when Mark Del Percio, uh, took over at Orange Grove. Uh, Mark Del Percio, a couple of years ago, you may remember, took over the job at, at, at Orange Grove. Uh, his first job in the state of Texas, really his first, you know, his his first connection in the state of Texas, basically moving from 
Delaware, where he was a a like the best coach in state history in Delaware. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so then it, you know it's it strikes me as that kind of thing of um, you know I remember some people are like man you know he's so good at at, 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 at in Delaware why couldn't you know Orange Grove's an okay job but you know why isn't he getting a, a big headlining top tier job and I think that that just kind of speaks to you know here in Texas the the ladder that you've got to climb um, no you know it does probably start at, at places like Orange Grove starts at places like Bishop places that you have to build uh, from scratch to prove that, that you've got the chops to hang in Texas that was my first initial reaction when I heard uh, about this but uh, yeah he probably won't I'll say this um, let's let's see let's let, I'm very interested to see what kind of offense they run because if they got you know Bishop Gorman from what I understand I haven't watched a ton of their games but from what I understand they have a pretty wide open high high flying offense um, there at, at, at Bishop Gorman I wonder if they're gonna he's gonna bring that to uh, to Bishop, but uh, in any case, there's your there's some look at some coaching uh, coaching news and notes from around the state of Texas. Of course, we've got that all of them at TexasFootball.com. Okay, I want to get your take on something we talked about on Texas Football Today on Tuesday. I started doing a segment about the practical implications of COVID nineteen, the practical implications of uh, this outbreak, and and. Not speculating as far as are we going to have football, are we going to have seven on seven or anything like that. All I'm saying is with the – I guess the, the – it seems so trite to say and, and to say damage that's already been done because uh, obviously you know there's a lot bigger things going on. But knowing what we know now and knowing how that it's probably unlikely we're going to have spring football anywhere, especially since the governor has now come out and said um, that the schools are close into May. Um, it's unlikely we're going to have spring ball. Uh, I would say that seven on seven is probably what? 50-50 right now? At best, yeah. I'd say 50-50 yeah. is probably a good good estimate. Um, so, so let's just say for the sake of argument – Let's just say that the first time that we're going to get football back is when two-a-day start. I bet the UIL will relax some rules and let them have maybe an extra week of acclimatization, uh, things like that. I would, I would, I get the feeling the UIL is going to be a little bit flexible as far as giving people extra time to to get ready for the season since there's not going to be a ton of off-season workouts. My question for you, and I made the, I made a couple points on Texas football today about this, but my question for you is 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 what are the practical implications of that if we are basically skipping the rest of the offseason and any training that you're going to get, and we're going to pick this thing up in August. What do you think are the practical implications of then what football is going to look like in uh, in the fall? Uh, I think early season games. Now, now at this point, I don't, I'll don't. i be happy if we're playing early season games, but I, I think your non-district games especially are going to be even sloppier than usual. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see – more penalties you're going to see more mistakes um i think you're going to see more players rotated in and out just because guys need to get work in uh so i i don't i think you're going to see because in general when i when when we watch non-district games um for the most part it's pretty close to what you would see in a district ball game there's not much there's not a there's not a discernible difference um to the untrained eye uh from a non-district game to a district game compare that compare that to the nfl there's a pretty discernible difference when you're watching a preseason game and a regular season game i think our non-district games may be more there'll be a discernible difference i think i think the non-district games you're going to see very liberal liberal rotations very very basic schemes even more basic than usual just because i think guys are just going to have to kind of work work into shape and i think if you're if you're the fan of a team who is in a nine or a ten team district i think you've got to be real concerned about those early non-district games because i think you could see some wonky things happen because people aren't up to speed you know if you're playing a district ball game in week two or week three i I think you're going to be like it's going to be a little wonky whereas it almost might be a benefit to be in a six-team district or a a seven-team district where you have a couple of extra non-district games maybe to to try to work things out before you're playing district ball games so i that's 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 what i think you're going to see right off the bat is 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 you may see our our computer rankings the first few weeks may really be tough because we may see some just really weird weird results and weird football early on 
Yeah, and I, you know, I made the point on TFT that I think part of that is I think you're going to see lower scores. Um, I think that this is going to be the kind of thing where um, if you are expecting high flying offenses early on, uh, maybe tap the brakes just a little bit because uh, I think I think you're right. I think that we it, it's fair to expect that we're going to see some sloppier football. We're going to see some some football that is not as crisp as we're used to seeing simply because these guys are not going to have a whole offseason to work out together. They're going to need some extra time uh, to, to do that. And so for me, that's something that, that I'm very interested in is, is, is once we get to about week five, right? Let's just say, assuming we start on time, uh, it, once we get to week five and these guys get some games under their belt, what does it look like then? What what because because I think that how teams navigate that particular area uh, of the of the team is going to be on one hand telling and on the other hand something that you maybe just like I don't want to say throw out but I'm gonna I think right now and it's easy to say this on April first I think right now I'm gonna take I'm gonna put even less stock in non district results in 2020 than I even normally do. And I don't put a ton of stock into them to begin with. Yeah, I think it's fair. And, I, I, and especially like the challenges that new coaches are going to have is, is something that's really unique uh, this year. That's And so if, if you're a, a team that has a new coach, I mean, I think the first three or four weeks are, are pretty much – you can't you can't put any stock into it. I can't imagine the challenges that that new coaches are going to have, especially coaches that are trying to go in and, and do a complete rebuild or, or really shake up things from a schematic standpoint. I mean, could you imagine within this offseason going from a wing T offense to a spread offense or vice versa? Oh, yeah. I mean, or, or going from a spread to a wing T or something like that. It's, it's going to be really, really challenging to make drastic offensive changes. And therefore, I, I think you're going to see uh, some some results that are out of out of whack early. On. I think your fans are going to have to have some patience with their teams, um, especially when when you're looking at teams with new coaches. Uh, I think I think that's exactly it. Is is if you're at this point, you know, we talked with Ryan Warner, the new head coach at El Paso Chapin, and I cannot even imagine that situation. You know what I mean? And about how he he takes that job. He was the uh, off the coordinator of Franklin. Is that right? El Paso Franklin? Yeah, Franklin. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was El Paso Franklin. Uh, did a great job there. Gets his first head coaching opportunity at his alma mater. I mean, this is it's a dream job. He gets the job in January. He gets to meet his kids basically for three weeks. And now it's like, hey, hopefully we see you in August. You know, like that is – like you want to talk, and, and and that's not to say that they, that he's he's you know that any of these coaches are just letting these guys roam free and do whatever. Uh, you know they're they're keeping in touch. They're trying to maintain you know connection. They're doing Zoom meetings and things like that. But as far as instilling a culture, I mean that's tough. Yeah, that's I'm tough, just- and that's 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 why I wonder if 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 you know this is always this always this always tends to be a sport dominated by blue bloods. But I think even more so, and especially blue bloods that are going to have that kind of consistency on their staffs, that strikes me as a huge advantage going forward. Absolutely. I I think you're 100% right on that. All right. So I want to ask you now, we're going to transition from that. Uh, Of course, we are your source for all things COVID-19 here. uh, uh, Yeah, that's that's us. It's us. Medical expertise. That's right. Um, But – uh, we are still working on the 2020 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas football. And I've, I've, I've mentioned this publicly. I'll mention this to, to you, our friends again. Uh, we're on schedule. We are on schedule. We are going to, we are going to, uh, to make, uh, this, this magazine happen. Excuse me. I will say one other thing, uh, that I think is particularly uh, interesting. And if you, if you were worried about this, I know I was, but, uh, our printer, uh, we print the magazine outside of Dallas, um, and our printer has been deemed an essential uh, business. So they are not shutting down. So we're going to print this dang magazine. Uh, you don't got to worry about that. Right. Um, so we will have the magazine. We're working hard on it. Step is, uh, has once again taken on uh, an incredible load of high school castles. Um, I think I've written – I think I, I counted it up the other day. I believe I'm – I think after this this week's batch, it'll be 
like 275 questionnaires that I've written. Uh, it's an irresponsible <laughs> amount. An irresponsible yes. amount. It's a lot. Um, yeah. And so, and so you're, and so to be clear, you're writing, um, and you have access to all of them, so you can see all of them. But I know yeah, that yeah. the ones you've paid the most attention to, uh, DFW, uh, mm-hmm. and then Southeast Texas, so uh, and then the Houston, yeah. the Golden Triangle, uh, and then uh, the Rio Grande Valley and Laredo, mm-hmm. uh, and El Paso. Correct. Those are those are the ones that, that you have been uh, you have been writing. I of course yes. have gotten to see all of them. Although, uh, and I will another thing I will say is uh, we are uh, we're getting these questionnaires in at, at pace. Uh, Good. It's, it's amazing what happens when coaches have nothing to do. Yeah, and then we're guilting them on Twitter at the same time too. It's yeah, great. that's it's that's great. that's that's our that's our goal. But in yes. any case, we uh, we've we've now seen we've got a, a lot of questionnaires in uh, more than nine hundred public school questionnaires have come in already, which is uh, about three quarters of them. Um, and so we, we've got to take a look at them in your, in looking at questionnaires. Uh, and this is just real top line stuff. I'm not asking you to dive into to real specifics if you need to, what has jumped out at you? What have you seen from these questionnaires? Maybe in writing these previews that maybe you can lend a little bit of insight to, uh, to our, our lovely paying paying podcast so i always look for i picked out five like five teams that because i mean generally speaking coaches they're they're in two camps you have coaches who completely sandbag their teams or coaches that completely overrate their teams (laughs) very very few are straight down the middle there's a few but it's it's more of a a a 10 10 80 curve or 80 percent of them are are either sandbagging or or um, completely overrating their team. So you have to kind of wade through the BS, so to speak. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I try to look at just raw data and see, you know, I want to look at returning starters, returning lettermen, what your sub-varsity team did last year, those kind of things. Um, now, the one the overarching theme, I think, is a lot more questions this year because these guys haven't had a chance to have a full off season. There's a lot of, I don't know how this guy's going to progress. This guy, we, we, we were counting on this kid as a sophomore to, to step in and play, but we really don't know now. So you see stuff like that just because of, of the, the circumstances that have been dealt. But I picked out five teams that I think are, have, you know, good, really good. That, that could be in, in for big, big bounce back years, teams that are, that have a chance to be really good next year that and take a step forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one in the Houston area, keep an eye on Jersey village. This is a team that was four and six last year, but this is a team that brings back 18 starters, 10 on offense, eight on defense. Um, so I see that and I see a lot, a lot of returning players. And then you look at Jersey village and, and their district and, you know, they're, they're paired with Cy Fair, who's going to be Cy Fair, Cy Fair. They're going to be great. After that, you look at Cy Creek went to the regional finals last year, lost the house. Cy Creek only has yeah. a three starters back total. I mean, Cy Creek's in for a complete rebuild. And then they're in with Cy Ridge uh, and then the, uh, and then the, the Spring Branch School. So Memorial, Stratford, Northbrook, Springwoods. I think Jersey Village could easily pop up and finish second place in that district and, and, and make some noise with just the amount of veteran experience they have coming back from a four and 16. So keep an eye on the Jersey Village Falcons. Another one, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go in the DFW area a little bit. Sure. And this is a team that was not bad last year. Mansfield Timberview. Mm-hmm. This is a team dropping to Division Two from one of these toughest districts. And you look at Timberview, they were six and five last year. You're like, oh, they're six and five. They're fine. They're dropping to Division Two from a Division One district that included Highland Park, Lancaster. They're dropping down to Division, dropping down to Division Two. They, their JV was six and four last year, so solid competitive JV. But what jumps off the page of me: seventeen starters returning, forty-three lettermen coming back. This is a team mm. with a ton of ex- forty-three returning lettermen for a five-A division. That's that's Alito-like numbers in the program for a five-A Division two team. So they've got Division one kids all over the place. Their defense is going to be one of the best in the state. The big question is going to be the quarterback position. If they can if they can fill that quarterback role, they think they've got a guy to step in and play quarterback. But you know they kind of run that spread flex bone type. Of, they run the flex bone out of the spread basically spread option type offense. They can find that quarterback. Timberview is going to be a team. They're in the same district as Alito. Alito's got more questions than usual this year. They're moving JoJo Earl to a quarterback this year. I think that's going to be a big question mark. 
the Timberview Alito game is going to be a real measuring stick game and one that I'm interested in. So I think Timberview um, is going to be a team to watch in 5A Division Two. Another one in 5A Division Two is the Greenville Lions. You remember Greenville last year made the playoffs for the first time since 2003 last year. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> big, big, big doings in Greenville. They're JV nine and one last year. Returning starters nine on offense, six on defense. Thirty-three Letterman returning. I expect okay. Greenville was six and five last year. Uh, other than Ennis, and that Eddie Ennis is the prohibitive favorite in that district. Outside of that, I think Greenville can really make some noise as well. So keep an eye on the Greenville Lions. Uh, if you go out to El Paso, I'll give those guys a little love. I think El Paso Eastlake. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the state returning, Orion Olivas. They've got yeah. back uh, seven and eight, seven offense, eight on defense, 30, 30, 37 lettermen. They're moving up to Class 6A from 5A Division One, but this is a team that I think is going to get overlooked a little bit because they're moving up to 6A. Keep an eye on the Eastlake Falcons. That's another one. And then the, the Mission Eagles – uh, down in the Rio Grande Valley. They were 8-3 and three last year, but I think this is kind of the year that, that Coy Detmer and, and, and Mitch and Eagle fans have been been counting on. They've, they've only got four starters back on offense, but they're all at key positions, including quarterback Jeremy Duran. But they've got nine starters back on defense, and I think their defense is going to take a step forward. Mission is a team that I think to keep an eye on. So that's kind of, I kind of wanted to give you five kind of sleeper. Yeah. Or, this is our early hipster type pick. Uh, candidates uh, looking at some of the questionnaires. Those are five teams that I think uh, could really do some damage and it, it kind of popped out to me in the questionnaires that I've reviewed so far. So one thing that I like to do, because uh, on our questionnaires, we one of the things we ask coaches is we say, hey, please rank your district. Please tell us who the top five teams in your in your you think you're, are in your region and the top five teams in the state. And what I like to do is I like to go to teams that I know are contenders, right? Coaches who are used to playing uh, you know, big boy deep in the playoffs football. And I like to see who do those coaches have their eye on? Who are they wary of this year? And so uh, I, pu- I pulled out a couple of those and, and there's a couple of, of ones that a couple of names that keep popping up. Um, there is some legit worry in the DFW Metroplex about Cedar Hill this year. Um, people are very high on the, on what they bring back. I think obviously when you bring back a guy like Kate Salter, uh, a quarterback who's blowing up as a recruit. They are always very good. I think that there is a notion that while things have been maybe not up to their standards recently, obviously they're trending in the right direction. And a nine and three year last year may be just the next step for them. Uh, I have read it from a number of coaches that that Cedar Hill is going to be a team that that they are. Uh, concerned about uh, going forward in, in the DFW Metroplex. That's a team that has um, a, lot of, a lot of continuity. So <clears throat> that's one of those things where you look at it. They they've got all that continuity. They the 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 layoff uh, due to to the to the pandemic may not impact them quite as bad. So you've got a double whammy there where they've got that continuity that could help them uh, early on, especially in a in a brutal district. That district's really tough, so they're going to need it. Hundred percent. Um, you know, another team that I and this kind of surprised me a little bit, uh, but a team that I uh, read a little bit about and I've, I've seen kind of pop up here and there uh, is Wascom. Wascom uh, went five and five last year. You know, it was probably not a great year for them, but but I remember because I've read their name, I, I remember a couple of years ago them like talking to I think a coach on their staff saying, "Wait until." I think this year, I think this was the year that they were saying it. And you look at their, their numbers, they got seven starters back on offense, nine back on defense. This is a team that's absolutely loaded. Uh, and, and they've got a, a couple of running backs. They're really excited about out of that flex bone offense. Wascom, of course, a team with a, a with state championship pedigree themselves. Uh, that's a team that, that I keep reading about uh, whenever I'm kind of rolling through these questionnaires. And then there's an, and then, you know, up in the six, a level, it, it's kind of easy to just say it's, it's the same, you know, same old, same old, uh, but you know, one one team down there in the San Antonio area that I know is is kind of uh, I think people are, are wary of, uh, and that would be uh, Shirts Clemens, most notably because they've got their a lot of that offense back. They got eight starters back on offense, um, uh, including uh, Max De Domenico, their, uh, their their quarterback back, and, and Drew Edwards. They are a, a loaded offense. But the Buffaloes are a team that I've read a couple of times from teams in the San Antonio area and say, hey, watch out for Coach Jared Johnston's squad. 
Um, they, those are three teams that immediately, you know, I, I like to look at that and say, hey, you know, who are who are the teams that the contenders are worried about? You know, did, look, did they beat Judson last year? Did, did Clemens, Clemens beat Judson or Steele? Didn't they? One of them or both uh, of them? Yeah, it might have been both. Live coverage. No, they won the district. They won the district. Yeah, I mean, you look at that. And they beat Judson and Steele last year. That's, and then they got eight back on offense. That's pretty heady stuff. Yeah, that is. And and so that's kind of, you know, look, it's, it's not going to be a surprise that a lot of people are worried about North Shore. It's not going to be a surprise that a lot of people are worried about Mart, right? But those are a couple of teams that I think are under the radar that, that coaches are, are keeping tabs on and thinking we may have to deal with them sooner as opposed to later. Okay. So finally, I want to wrap up this uh, quarantine edition of Tap and Step uh, with a little bit of, a little bit of fun. Uh, we've been having a, a great time on the um, uh, on on TexasFootball.com with our helmet challenge uh, presented by our friends at All Star Inflatables, and uh, uh, y'all have gotten out the vote. Uh, the voting numbers have been uh, insane. We're down to the final four as we record this. I believe we're going to have the championship matchup coming up here in uh, this weekend. Uh, but we're, we're thinking about because it's right now everybody's a little bit of distraction. We're thinking about doing some other things. One idea we have kicked around is a stadium bracket. Mm, uh, okay, and, okay. and so we're, we're, we're considering that. And so I just want to spitball with you, Matt Stapp. I want to spitball with you. Um, uh, some of your favorites. I've been to a few. Yeah, you've, been, you've been to a couple. Uh, now, look. I, I think it goes without saying that we are big fans of 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 a fair number of the same ones, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones Stadium in El Paso, right? It's a, a classic, right? That's one that we love. Um, I think that uh, I've been to the Puncher Dome. You have not, and I will continue to hold that over your head. As you should. As um, you should. Uh, in Mason. I want to hear some stadiums that you love that maybe are – I don't want to say off the beaten path because I think inherently a lot of Texas stadiums are off the beaten path, but, uh, but like, I'm not asking for you to say Allen Eagle stadium is amazing. We, we know that the new McKinney stadium, the new Prosper stadium, and, 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 and those places are amazing. Give me a couple that you think are, let's, let's say hipster stadium picks. Okay. Okay. We'll okay. Hipster stadium one is is a stadium that I went to for the first time last year, and that's Jack Murphy Stadium in Gladewater. Mm. Love that place. That place, it, it, it's they've Gladewater has kept that place up beautifully. When they, when they built it in the '80s, it was state of the art. It's got a unique look to it, and, and it's really nice. It's the perfect size stadium right there. Uh, that's one that, that I went to for the first time last year that I love. Um, in the Metroplex, I've always loved the Gopher Warrior Bowl in Grand Prairie. I've always thought that was a cool, a cool stadium um, to go to. Always, it's always kind of had a, a special place in my uh, my my cold dead heart. Uh, the Gopher Bowl in Grand Prairie, um, in the Houston area, I, I like um, uh, Tully Stadium is really nice. Tully Stadium is a, is for me uh, a nice classic. It's not a classic stadium. It's not not a brand. It's not a brand new stadium either. I, I really like uh, Tully. Uh, in the Houston area, you go into uh, you know San Antonio area, and, and I haven't been to as many places in San Antonio, but I love Ferris Stadium. I think Ferris is great. Uh, Alamo Stadium speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, that's that's one. Alice's place is a, is a real hipstery type stadium. I, I love Alice's uh, stadium. The grass is is immaculate. It's it they have bleachers kind of right there on top of you. There's no track around the stadium. Um, it's it's a place that I think is is vastly um, underrated down there. I've been I've been to Alice's stadium once, and it's an underrated place. And uh, you know I, I love um, San Angelo Stadium in San Angelo. It's 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 a massive place. When they, when they get that place full and that place gets rocking and, and that fan base is, is kind of crazy um, to say the least. And, and it's really, really a, a fun place to, to catch a football game as well. So those are, those are kind of a few, of the, the, there's so many though. I mean, there's, there's a yeah. lot of um, Paris is new. So I always do stadiums kind of in two categories, kind of the classics and then the newer, mm-hmm. play, newer stadiums. One of my favorite newer stadiums is, is Paris. It's, you know, I that they I don't like it when stadiums are built too big for the school. And Paris Stadium is built kind of just right, and it's kind of just the perfect size. And, and I've always uh, the, the couple of games that I've been playoff games that I've been to up there, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, seeing a game at Wildcat Stadium in Paris. Um, a couple of others that that I have enjoyed seeing games at. Um, 
I really enjoyed, uh, and maybe it's because the team is usually so good, and, and, and so we kind of take it for granted. I really like um, Rutledge Stadium in, in Converse. Um, I think that I think that that is it's really nice. It's 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 big. It's bigger than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I always really enjoy I, I really enjoy going there. Um, Lobo Stadium in Longview oh, yeah. is is great. Tucks behind the pines, like it's just like it's just it's got built this, into the this, ground, built into the bowl. You can't really when, yeah. when you're in there, you're kind of in, in, you're enclosed by the hill, but also the pine trees. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then. Um, I would be um, remiss if I did not – let me make sure I get, get the name right. I would be remiss if I did not shout out um, uh, our friends at Leo Britton Field Lions Stadium in Vernon. Um, mm-hmm. Vernon is really nice. There's a reason that they get a ton of playoff games, um, and it is because that stadium is really, really nice. And, um, and then I also – Iowa Park, right? I, you went to Iowa, Iowa Park, Park too. Right? Yeah. Both of those are beautiful. Iowa, Iowa Park, and they just did they just do like a big renovation of Iowa Park? It's three right? or four years. I think the year y'all yeah went in, yeah in, the year we went when Poochie went R.I.P. Poochie. Um, yeah, the year you went, I was like I think it was the second year a bit after after the remodel. Man, it is it is gorgeous. Like they, they, you you want to talk about finding a way to keep that thing, um, you know. The keep keep all of the hallmarks and and just update it. They did such a a, a, a wonderful wonderful job there. Um, those were those were a couple that that I that stand out to me. So, well, uh, you went to you went to Pittsburgh last year. I know for their yeah. opener and their stadium remodel. Mm-hmm. How was their stadium? Yes. Really nice. They uh, and that is that is a perfect example. Um, how do I want to put this? That's a less is more stadium. Uh, they put a bunch of money into it and just made everything that was existing. They expanded it a little bit and they just made it real nice. You know what I yeah. mean? They didn't say, hey, we're going to add 15,000 seats. We're going to go and, and do this. Instead, they were like, you know what? We're going to take it. We're going to take our funds and we're going to spruce this place up. And it really, my goodness, it was it was sparkling. Uh, when I went there for that Pittsburgh Jefferson game in the in the opener a couple of years ago, really enjoyed going to. I think it's I think I'm pretty sure it's Pirate Stadium. Yeah, um, I believe so. But well, you want to get but, so yeah. I'm going to put a request in on, okay. on the Tep and Step Airwaves for Tepper and I. There's two stadiums that I think we really need to get to this year. And so <laughs> we want you, Coach John Fellows, at Alpine, yes. and we want Coach Coleman at Jacksonville to schedule yes. a Thursday game. Because I yes. want to get to Buck Stadium in Alpine, it, it mainly just to go to Alpine, but also the stadium's nice too. I saw somebody sent me a picture of it, and it's just the mountains behind it. Just, just I've, just, I've been there. I've, I've never seen a game there, so I, I held off on saying that. But um, yes. I, I have been there, and it is lovely. Yes, I've been to it. I've been to a seven on seven tournament there, but I've never saw seen a Friday uh, night football game there. So I want to get to a Friday night football game at, at you Buck went to a Stadium seven Alpine. on seven tournament in Alpine. Yeah, uh, I actually helped put it on that year. Um, they oh had some, they had, they had some changes, and they didn't need some. They needed somebody to help run the tournament. So, uh, I, oh, it was an excuse to go to Alpine. It, look, you don't have to give me excuses to go to Alpine. If no, I, if I'm, I can I'm go, yeah, if I can go, I can go. And then the, the Tomato Bowl in Jacksonville. I've actually been to the yeah. Tomato Bowl in Jacksonville, but this was pre-remodeled Tomato Bowl. I've seen the pictures of the remodel, and it looks. <laughs> chef's kiss just gorgeous yeah. and, and i think that's another example of a remodel done the right way so you if jacksonville if you schedule a thursday night game tepper and i will there's a good chance we're there because that yes. the yes. ball is a bucket list stadium for sure that's on that that's on that bucket list uh for me to to see a game there uh, i like i said i've never seen a i've never seen a game at jones in in el paso i've been there a couple of times uh and just you know i, I love it um, but yeah, you're exactly right. There's a couple of those that, that, you know, because of my current situation and, and my current schedule, uh, do not lie. It does not lend itself to, to Friday travel. And so, well, let's uh, yes. Fox too. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure if Fox sports Southwest was like, Hey, we're, we're going to do, uh, you know, our Friday night, uh, you know, show from yeah. Alpine, from Buck stadium and Alpine. I, I'm sure you wouldn't put a fight up would you. Well, I already talked them into going to Mason. Uh, this is my new my new goal. My new goal is well, actually, you know what? Alpine or Jones in El Paso? Like, I can't lose. I'll take that. Yeah, just just either way, let's, let's go live. Way, Move the set out there. Either way, I'm getting I'm I'm gonna eat really good. 
Uh, I'm going to get to see the mountains. I'm going to get to see good football. Either way, I'm a winner. So that's going to be my new push for, for my, you know, I'm, my contract is up with Fox. Maybe I need to negotiate that into my next deal. Yeah. We, we, need, mean, a, we need to do a show Friday, live Friday night from Jones Stadium in El Paso and or Buck Stadium in Alpine. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Please go wash your hands. Stay inside. Stay, uh, stay, yep. Keep your ass inside. That's right. Keep your, keep your ass at home. Is that what you were saying? Keep your ass at home for football in 2020. Yes, keep your ass at home for football in 2020. Uh, thank you for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We appreciate you very, very much. And, Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you, sir. We'll see you next time on Tep and Step. Mm-hmm.